Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Gary Salamino is our guest. He's the new president and CEO of the North Carolina Chamber of Commerce, uh, who, along with the local chambers, serve nearly 35,000 members across the state of North Carolina, advocating uh, on issues that affect business, and of course, business affects jobs, and jobs affect everyone who's listening to the program. Uh, Gary, we have sort of put off talking about the community college system and the university system, but uh, as you travel across the country, um, uh, I, I've always had this feeling that people do not really realize, the average person does not realize how uh, much of a uh, inspiration our college system and our community college system is to other states. Ours is one of the best. There, there's no doubt. It's a, it's a gem for our state. It's a strategic competitive advantage for our business community and for companies that are here looking to retrain, companies that are looking to come. It's a, it's a great asset for us. And the leadership of that community college system now, Peter Hans, is uniquely positioned to lead that to even create a greater competitive advantage for us with our community college system. And just as a side, Don, I, I was very fortunate to serve on the Wake Tech board for eight years. And it was some of the most rewarding things that I've ever done because you're there from a 19, 20-year-old kid getting their associate's degree to someone later in life that's on their second and third degree career. And you got people and you have single moms and you have every walk of life that has had the opportunity to get an education, get into the workforce. So it's, it's, a, it's really a gem for us and it's a key competitive advantage. You know, uh, one of the things that I think the average person in North Carolina looks at it, when they think of college, they think of undergraduate education, and of course, a number of our uh, universities and college campuses and the and the university system. That's primarily their purpose. But you've got a huge amount of research going on at NC State, at UNC Chapel Hill, our private schools, Duke, and. Uh, uh, in particular, and these bring in thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars uh, that uh, sometimes I don't think the university system gets credit for uh, with the average person. It's vital to the economy. Vital to the economy, and it's it's world-class research that's coming out of those places that are developing products and innovations that are making everybody's lives better every day. Yeah. The, the stuff that's happening at NC State and, and how we're going to feed the world in the future is incredible, a brand-new plant sciences building over there that's going to revolutionize uh, agriculture and the research that goes into that. So it, we're very, very fortunate. I, th I think what we can continue to do better, Don, and, uh, is how, once those innovations are in the lab and once we get the research money, how do we get them to the market quicker? Yeah. And how do we uh, attract more? Uh, the money will come if the products are getting out of the labs a little quicker. Yeah. So we're going to be talking to folks about, you know, appropriately, but how do we get those good innovations into the hands of people that will make them into businesses? Well, you know, all businesses start with one employee, and okay. some grow like, say, an Amazon or something of this nature, but they all started with one employee. And so helping the smaller businesses grow is a, is a very important thing because you never can tell when someone has this innovative idea that could lead to a huge company and a huge number of employees. But the research coming out at UNC Chapel Hill uh, and as part of NC State, uh, they're constantly in the top five as far as getting grants from the federal government, which is incredible because if you look at the schools behind them, it's a blue, it's a blue chip <laughs> list. <laughs> and uh, that uh, just, uh, of course, it also is a source of employment because all that research uh, is funded with uh, uh, money that uh, provides jobs. Um, 
How important is that in acquiring new businesses when they look at the innovative college and community college system that we have? Uh, it's really important. It's important for their workforce development, their workforce needs, and it's important for their employees and the, the families of their employees yep. to have a top-class uh, education talent supply system that they can take advantage of. It's a recruitment tool, and it's a way to keep their businesses sharp and innovate, and so it's critically important. Well, you know, we've talked about this several times on this program before, but Many, uh, many economies in states across the country have not been able to recover. If you go back, of course, about 30 years ago, we, we had textiles, furniture, and tobacco manufacturing, and all three of those industries are virtually gone, and yet we have continued to grow and fill those gaps. And it's been uh, the uh, community college system and the university system that has helped fund mm-hmm. that and fill those those needs and that's incredible because we have grown despite losing three major sources of employers yeah we've shifted really well into yep. the tech industry the stem sciences are strong here mm-hmm. life sciences industry really really enjoys a, a good and solid presence here whether it's in a vaccine side or whether it's in the pharma production side so um, we've done a nice job of advancing the stem uh, curriculums here, and it's really a, a looked at around the world as a place that people can come and grow and have reliable talent. Now, North Carolina's growth is probably going to give us one, maybe even two additional congressmen. How, how, how does that affect us as far as having influence on the federal government? Yeah, I think it's more representation, right? The founding no. fathers set it up in a way that, uh, particularly members of Congress, uh, the more members you have, the fewer people that can influence them, which is good, yep. and closer to the people. So it's, a, it's an identification of our growth, of our importance. Uh, it, could only, it can only be good for us. What... Um, um, when you look at uh, the the smaller cities in these uh, sort of tweener areas between the depressed areas and the growth areas, I'm talking about counties like Harnett County where Dunn is located and so forth. What Where is their future? Where do they fit into this picture? Because they're sort of a tweener. Yeah. What we've been noticing is that those counties, the, they might be the collar of the collar counties, as yep. they talk about it. Uh, half of their folks are going to one area to, to work and half are going to the other. So I think we just got to get really good at making sure that the transportation systems are solid so that they can get to where they need to be and that our community colleges are meeting the needs in those particular areas. Because those are going to, they're going to go to different places uh, to find work. And some are going to go closer to the city, some are going to go farther out. So it's going to be tough, but I I think if we put the right education systems in place and the right transportation systems in place, we can can help those folks. Now, I'm sure you spend a lot of time uh, talking to the General Assembly uh, about uh, these these various problems. Um, The infrastructure bill, do you have a total on that? Has anybody come up with how much money we're going to need in the depressed areas, and uh, then also how much money do we need in the growth areas for infrastructure, and, and how quickly do we need that money? Well, we need it. We need money as quickly as we can. We've done some stuff back in 2015 that uh, puts regular amounts of money back in now, is less reliant on the gas tax, so it gives some predictable flow, so we've solved that problem. But we're going to need you know, billions of dollars over time. That's not only from here, but from the federal government and those matches in order to get everything done. Uh, we don't have a definitive number on it, but it's north of you know, $5, 6000000000 billion over the next 10 years that we're going to need to meet the needs and, and objectives of, the, of that program. Uh, that's, yeah. a, that's, that's, that's big, big money. No, that's big money. Yeah. Um, a lot. Well, um, uh, you know, growth is a blessing, and, and sometimes it's a curse because uh, cities also have the problem with uh, 
the uh, tax base uh, because many people are living in the areas around and don't want to be incorporated, and yet they want the facilities that the city can provide. Uh, where's the future of that going? I don't know, I, people just need to keep talking and sort out. I, I think uh, sometimes we we all tend to go to our corners a little bit too early. And I think if people talk and if we begin to regionalize and our water development systems, our wastewater treatment systems, and we begin to regionalize some of the uh, disposal systems that we have, some of the water treatment, I think people will come together and, and begin to look at what they have in common. and. You can you can have both, but if you're not talking, that's when the trouble happens. Yeah. And so we're just going to encourage people to keep talking and work through it. You mentioned earlier the importance of health care, and, of course, the cost of health care continues to go up, and that's a major league concern of all businesses in providing their employees with insurance uh, uh, and uh, coverage as far as taking care of their medical bills. Um, that is uh, a major league concern. What, what's going on there? Yeah, it's a, it's really interesting, and it's very similar to the education and talent supply chain uh, challenges that we have. There's a, the folks that are in the supply chain right now, both in healthcare and education. We tend to lean towards a supply-driven approach. Uh, we need to shift. The business community needs to come back and reclaim those positions as make it a little bit more demand-driven approach. So in healthcare, we have great healthcare institutions, some of the brightest people in the world here, uh, some of the healthiest people in the world. However, overall, our health is not good and our costs are high, and that's because we don't have an alignment of our supply chain towards a common goal. So we've done some work with our healthcare members and our non-healthcare members, and instead of just focusing in on cost, we want to focus in on value. How do we get people healthier and a more predictable cost, lower cost? Right now, we're 33rd in the country based upon the United Health Foundation study in value. That's, we don't want to be 33rd in anything uh, with it. So uh, we want to be a top 10 state in value where our people get healthier and we get more reliable, predictable costs for that. That will give us distinct competitive advantage. What that's going to take, Don, is a lot of discussion, a lot of collaboration, bring in the insurance companies, the pharma companies, the lab companies, everybody that's in that supply chain together like our other members do and say, we have a goal here of we want a, this value of a product, in this case healthcare, we want to pay this much. Uh, and how are you all going to do that for us? And for the payers of healthcare, which are the are you and me and the people in the, uh, that pay taxes and premiums, how do they get back control of their dollar and drive value? We're going to have those discussions and try and get people in the room to, do, to have them. Uh, incentives to industry to locate in a particular state uh, is a, a curse and a blessing. And, of course, a, a lot of states uh, almost have to go to that because they don't have the other advantages that North Carolina has. How do you think we balance off uh, the incentive that we give to new industry with uh, protecting those industries that have been here and been paying taxes for years. Yeah. Well, the, by getting our climate competitive first for the folks that are here, the hometown, and I think our, our tax climate's competitive. We've done a lot of a lot of work over the last 10 years to get us competitive. So not right now, we're a really competitive place to look at. We get into the very short list quickly without offering any money on the table just by the climate that we have here right now. So I, I think it's fair uh, if as long as we keep the folks here competitive, 
um, whether you like incentives or not, they're, until someone says they're illegal, we're going to have to have them. You, know, you don't want to unilaterally disarm yourself in the, in the world and in the, in the competition for jobs. But I think we're doing really well here to get on the short list quickly because of how good our climate is for the long term. And then having a little bit there probably is, is a sweetener to get the key ones over. And I think we can target industries even better than we're doing right now. Gary Salamito is our guest. He's the president and the CEO of the North Carolina Chamber. And we'll be back with one final segment here on Carolina Newsmakers right after we take time out for this break. In small towns and big cities, from coast to coast and around the world, Habitat for Humanity volunteers gather with purpose. Hand in hand, they come together. They may be strangers or they may be friends, but they are all builders of hope and home. Hammers are raised, bricks are laid, dreams take shape, and another family finds shelter in a home they help build. Through their time and talents, Habitat for Humanity volunteers are helping change lives for the better, and in the process, maybe even changing their own lives as well. Together, we can eliminate substandard housing. Won't you join us? Support the work of Habitat for Humanity in your community or wherever your heart leads you. Now more than ever, please volunteer, get involved, and help build it. Visit us at Habitat.org. The entire world watched. They watched each step down the rungs of that small ladder, one after another, and waited with great anticipation for that last step. That's one small step for man, one At that moment, humanity saw the impossible become the possible. And today, the sky is not the limit. Achievement. Pass it on. A message from the Foundation for a Better Life. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. This is Carolina Newsmakers. I'm Don Curtis. Gary Salamino is our guest. He's the president and the CEO of the North Carolina Chamber. A reminder to all of our listeners that this program comes in two forms. A number of our stations carry the full hour version. A number carry the half hour version. If you happen to be listening to one of the stations that carries the half hour version and you'd like to hear the other two segments that you missed, then our producer uh, has a uh, Put those on the website, carolinaneesmakers.com, and you can go hear those two segments, which are isolated. You don't have to listen to the entire program. Or if you'd like to share the entire program with a friend, you can do that also. That site is carolinaneesmakers.com, and uh, it is always there for you. And all the programs that we've done for our, uh, how long we've we been doing this program, 20 years, they're all there. Uh, I have not ever gone back and listened. Maybe we ought to go back and listen to what Lou Ebert said 10 years ago. Yeah, and see That might be an interesting program sometime. Gary uh, Salamino, as I said, is our guest, and he is in a, the new role as president of the, and CEO of the North Carolina Chamber, which along with the chambers that they are associated with across in local communities represents some 35,000 businesses. Gary, uh, you will be leaving. We're recording this program in advance, and so you'll be leaving our studios here in a few minutes and going back. When you get back to your desk, uh, what what's at the top of your list? What are some of the things that you're working on that uh, are of immediate concern to you and uh, things that uh, are going to take your time and energies over the next couple of weeks and next couple of months? Well, thanks. Yeah, 
looking at our mission, which is still the same from Vision 2030, and trying to figure out what the next installment on that mission is. You know, we have a, uh, a document, we have a plan, we've had a really good five-year run on that plan. So for us, it's prioritizing for 2020 through 2025, what's the next installment on that plan so that we meet our goals by 2030. Yeah, with all those people coming by 2030, we have to continue to be laser focused in on education and talent supply. How do we become the best in the world? How do we become the best for healthcare value in our country, if not the world? And how do we make those strategic investments in infrastructure before those folks get here so that businesses keep coming? If businesses keep coming, people will have jobs and communities all across our state will be healthier. So for us, it's the next installment on that plan, uh, 20 through, excuse me, 2020 through 2025. We'll spend the rest of the year trying to get that finalized. Uh, our foundation has uh, got a good plan in place, and now we're going to be looking to raise some money for it. And uh, we're going to be a focus uh, on education and talent and healthcare like you've not seen before. Businesses come and go. We are seeing a huge shift uh, in the last five or six years between uh, those businesses that rely on social media, uh, the Internet, and so forth, and uh, uh, the brick-and-mortar retailers. Where do you see that going? That's a really good question. I think it's going to be a combination of both. It's just how uh, an individual business can drive its efficiencies and how do you take advantage of the different media outlets for it. So we're always going to have to have brick and mortar. We're always going to have to have food. We're always going to have to have energy. Uh, we're going to need distribution centers. We're going to need uh, raw materials to build things, uh, whether they're computers or whether they're cars and or tractors. So I think it's going to be a balance. We're clearly going to shift the economy to more of a service-based economy. We're going to see technology and automated vehicles and automated tractors become a, a better part, a uh, bigger part of our economy. But the jobs are still going to be there. They're just going to be different and require different skills. As you uh, look at those companies that are looking to, to locate and relocate, uh, North Carolina, uh, is there a particular category that we are focusing on uh, uh, that fits our needs better than others? I think there's a couple. I think the life sciences uh, really find a really nice home here uh, for a lot of different reasons. So you look at life sciences, the financial services industries are really strong uh, in this area. Agribusiness and food manufacturing processing is going to be something you're going to see a lot more growth in, in that area. And we still have a very strong manufacturing base, Don. We have great manufacturers here, uh, particularly in the Piedmont Triad area and all through the state. Uh, they'll be making different things. They'll be leaner. They'll be more automated. But we just ha we have a really good talent supply here for manufacturing, advanced manufacturing. So those four or five, I think, are going to continue to grow. They'll look different, but there's plenty of opportunity. One of the things that keeps coming up when we have guests on uh, from time to time is the need for broadband Internet to be available to all parts of the state. And we, are, in many respects, are a little ahead of the curve for a lot of states, but we that is a key ingredient. and uh, Explain why that's so important. Yeah, it's really important. Right now, we are ahead of the game because a good foresight a number of years ago put a lot of dark fiber in the ground that's going to our schools and libraries and in all of our communities. So we have the basis of really good broadband there. But educating our kids, I mean, uh, most of the stuff is on your phone right now. I know I'm at my third uh, child in college, and they're taking two or three classes, and they're never going in a classroom now. So education, engagement, 
getting information is way different. So having broadband available, particularly to our young folks, is really, really important, but also to our businesses. Uh, how are they going to take their orders? How are they going to get their stuff out? Uh, can they automate their manufacturing facilities? H- how is all that going to come together? Well, you need broadband in order to do that, to be most efficient, keep your costs down, and be competitive in the marketplace. So it's very important. We talked about the cost of educa- of healthcare. Cost of education is another area where North Carolina, especially with our uh, public university system has been able to remain very, very competitive, and yet uh, the cost is continuing to rise. What do you see as solutions there? Well, I, I don't know the answer to that one, but I know that I'm very blessed to have my third uh, child that's in a state university system right now, and we were able to get the first two out without any debt uh, between their working and, and, and our being able to help them. And that's only because it's very, very cost-effective here. So uh, regardless of uh, some of the challenges we face, uh, I think North Carolina's commitment to uh, an education that's affordable, still remain affordable, is strong. And it's really important that we can get these young folks out without a lot of debt if we can help it, although it does have a cost. And, so- well, and, and our system is, is well respected, and, and yet uh, other schools and other universities and other states are very envious. And so they are uh, actually becoming big competitors for uh, teaching faculties and research faculties. And that's a problem. Yeah, well, we'll up our game, and uh, then we'll be competing just as well with them. I I have great confidence in our university system leaders to to have our folks ready. So uh, if you were to look at uh, transportation and education and uh, uh, rate those, uh, where do do you see the General Assembly's next problem, Uh, not maybe this session, but next session? What are they going to have to focus on to keep North Carolina moving ahead on an orderly and, and good basis? Uh, education and talent is always going to need to be a focus because the rate and pace of innovation of the companies uh, and the industries around is an unprecedented levels, how quickly they're changing and innovating. So getting our education and talent supply systems to be more nimble, uh, develop more on and off ramps, recognizing that our young people and our citizens are going to have three to five careers. Uh, unlike uh, it was historically. So that can that lifelong learning continuous on and off ramps, getting more nimble is going to be critically important. And infrastructure, uh, if, you, if you have products and services but you can't get them to market and you can't get your raw materials in, then you're not going to be competitive. So I think those two together are going to be the key to our success. Uh, we feed a lot of people. We need to continue to feed the world, and we have competitive energy prices. We need to continue to focus in on making sure we modernize, but at the same time make our, continue to have our prices be competitive. Well, a lot of areas that we didn't get to, and uh, our time is running out, so we'll just have to say these for another occasion. I, I didn't bring up uh, travel and tourism because that's a very important part of our economy and, and has uh, some good opportunities for growth there as well. But, Gary, thank you so much for being with us. Gary Salamino is new to his new job as president and CEO of the North Carolina Chamber. Uh, we appreciate you sharing time with us. Uh, if you uh, missed most of this broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. If you're listening to the uh, half-hour versions, you can hear the two segments that you missed. Our producer uh, will have another interesting guest for us next week, or at least he promises me he will, and I have reason to believe that he will do just that, if no other reason than for job security. <laughs> we, we will look forward to being with you again next week on the same group of stations. Till next week. Have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. 
Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.